Hey everyone, Cordell Davenport here with smallapartmentinvestors.com. And I always say mindset plus skill set plus performance equals results. And with my show that I'm having, I always talk about what's the main things that we all need to know about when it comes to apartment investing for small apartment investors. Real estate CPA, I mean, real estate attorney, CPA, commercial mortgage broker, and property management. And today I have Ed Crane. I have a history with Ed. Um, you guys, of course, don't know, but uh, probably about 2007, 2008, I got my real estate license. And when I got my real estate license, let me back up. Um, I first got introduced to self-improvement. I started learning about self-improvement and I got hooked on self-improvement. And from that, I decided that I wanted to be able to change my financial situation. And when I changed my financial situation, I discovered real estate. So at the time, I bought these boot camp stuff in San Francisco, paid too much money for it, uh, like foreclosures or expired listings. And I did this and that. And then I came across apartments and commercial real estate, started learning about certain things. And then I heard about CCIM. This stands for a Certified Commercial Investment Member. Like, what in the world is that? And then I said, okay, I want to be able to get into um, apartments. I said, okay, let me find this. And so I started looking up and I said, all right, let me look up the directory. So I went online, I'm in the Bay Area, I went to San Francisco, and I found Ed's name. I contacted Ed and said, you know what, I'm eager. I want to do this, I want to do that. And um, he welcomed me. And at the time I had a full-time job and trying to juggle two things, had some other stuff going on, and I couldn't really give the attention that I needed. But when I was there with his company, I learned a lot. I have a lot of respect for him and his team. Highly credentialed man. Um, so my website, smallapartmentinvestors.com, I have a free ebook you can get, download it, talk about how to uh, make cash flow that takes care of your family, living experiences, expenses. But I want to introduce Ed. So I'm going to read his bio right quick. All right. Ed Crane is the CEO of award-winning Smith Crane Real Estate Finance in San Francisco. Ed has originated and negotiated loans in excess of $2 billion with the B on all types of properties. He has the statewide president of the California Association of Mortgage Professionals. He has been in this. A president of the Northern California Chapter of CCIM, Southwest Regional VP for CCIM, and a national board directors of the CCM Institute. Ed and his company have won many awards, including his being recognized as a California Mortgage Broker of the Year 2008. Throughout his career, Ed has been a speaker, instructor, and writer for the mortgage and real estate industries. He is also a contributing author for the four best-selling business books. Ed holds the CCM designation and an MBA in finance and marketing from Cornell University. Ed's proudest business accomplishment is the fact that he has been able to help thousands of clients get loans they need to buy, build, and refinance their properties. So for everyone, my goal is to have Ed be showcased once a month, talking about certain topics. And our topic today is like understanding the value of apartments, of commercial real estate, that is. And Ed, I would before we start getting to the details, besides this uh, profile that is read for you, like we all know, I just read you went to Cornell, but how did you get started in real estate in particular? 
Well, that's an, an interesting thing. Uh, long story short, uh, my grandfather was a real estate broker in upstate New York in a small town. Uh, and my father, who, who had an insurance agency, was also licensed in real estate. Right. So I, I just grew up with it. And, uh, and, you know, when you grow up with something, you don't always uh, go that direction, right? You know, you see a lot of, a lot of people know, see your kids don't want to, don't want to do what you do. Mm-hmm. They want to do just the opposite. And I ended, I was, re- I just found it real interesting and real appealing. So um, I, I, I did a couple other things, but always came back to real estate. So Got it. Now, I know what it means, CCIM, but you want to talk about what CCIM is for those that don't know? Yeah, so it's it's uh, a designation that you get through the, the uh, National Association of Realtors, which has a whole spectrum of designations for uh, residential real estate agents. Uh, and commercial, uh, for commercial sales and investments, um, CCIM is the, is the top designation, and it's unique, I think, in the world of real estate designations because it's um, there's uh, there's a, a heavy dose of academic work, uh, and then you have to submit a resume of actual transactions that you've worked on, you know, because they want they don't want to just have book knowledge uh, for for you to get the CCM. They want you to have practical knowledge. And then you have to pass a comprehensive exam uh, and it's rigorous. It's so it's um, I, I actually I, I'm prouder of my CCIM designation than I am uh, of my MBA. That's how much I think of it. It's um, it's a real it's a great program. You meet and along the way, you, it's a great way to network. You meet a lot of terrific people. I did. You know, I've done business through the years with um, many fellow CCIMs and and also people who, who come, they don't necessarily go through and get the designation, but they come for the knowledge and uh, have a lot of people in my sphere from that. So Now, when I was with you and your, your team, I actually took two courses. I took like an intro and like finance one-on-one, whatever. But for yeah. someone who doesn't have a real estate license, can they go to CCM to learn or do they have to have the real estate license? Uh, I think you I think you can still do it. There's always been a track for people who are non-licensees, but um, uh, it's, you know, it's not for everybody. I'll just say that it's, <laughs> it's, it, but there are, there are corporate and uh, corporate real estate departments that send people to, okay. for instance, through, through the whole program. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, I kind of, I think it depends on what a person's strengths are, what they or what they want to be their strengths. We all know there's, there's yeah. multiple facets to real estate management. You know, there's, there's the underwriting process. Um, some people may like numbers and be analytical. So it makes a lot of sense for somebody to learn that process. Yeah. By the way, I, I, you just, I was just thinking that uh, one of my fellow uh, CCIM uh, guys who was a property manager had, he met the guy, uh, there was one principle in particular that he did most of the, most of his business was doing property management for that, that owner. And he met the owner in CCM classes because the owner wanted to get more knowledge just for his own, for his own sake. So uh, that there's, that's a good example of a non-licensee taking yeah. the program. 
And, you know, just today I was actually having a conversation with my wife. She doesn't have a lot of knowledge in regards to real estate, but I said, you know, you just can't say, okay, here's $200,000 and I want to be a real estate investor. Anybody just, here's, here's some money, but what are you, what are you doing with that money? Do you understand the numbers? It's a business. Or even if you're, if you have a property management company, you need to manage that manager. So you need to know what key metrics, what keywords, what questions to ask. It's not like buying stocks. You click a button, boom, here's the money. I'm just waiting back. If you really want to get into it, you know, real estate is not passive. It's an active activity. If you want to go that route, of course, you, you could be a part of a syndication, but still you need to know, understand the numbers. You know, what, what does it mean so that you can just can't take what somebody's saying as truth? So um, I don't want to go off on that tangent, but you know, today, as I said, when I try to have my show, nothing's rehearsed. Um, we're at the bar having a beer and we just happen to talk about real estate. But in particular, this conversation that we're going to have right now is talking about understanding the value of commercial real estates. For those that don't know, anything above five and above in regards to apartments is considered commercial real estate. So anything below that is different. It's residential and you you base it upon comps. But so I'll, I'll let you take the floor and, and we can just, you know, just go over the fundamentals for somebody who may, like say, own a triplex. They know about that, okay? They know about a fourplex, whatever it may be, but they want to step their game up. They want to go from a triplex, let's say a 20-unit apartment building. What things should they know about commercial real estate and value? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And by the way, that's a ter terrific path for people who want to get into into apartment buildings that to own, own rental homes or two or three or four unit properties because because the ownership and financing and management are a lot easier and and get kind of get your chops you know doing that and and then figure out if you if you like it too not you don't want to just be good at something right you want to really enjoy it because and uh, if you know life is short enjoy enjoy the enjoy the trip so <laughs> anyway the um, so going get started there and then going from there to to say 20 units as an example is a lot easier because you're going to be doing many of the things that you that you did when you when you bought your two or three or four unit property you're you're going to be evaluating what's the rental market what are the sales comps uh and what's the tenant profile and what's the location and what, what's the opportunity to add value and, you know, um, a whole spectrum of things that go into evaluation of a property. So, um, so do your hands-on thing, get your experience with the small properties. And then when you go out, um, I, I like to say, if you're, um, if you, if you go for 16 units and up, you're getting some leverage of time typically uh, because those are properties that you're going to have on-site managers required by state law in California and in some other states. Um, but so it, it changes the management structure, the whole management concept. So a lot of us might be self-managing smaller properties uh, and you could still self-manage a 20 unit property or 16 and above, but you're going to have to have an on-site 
manager, right? So now you've got to manage a manager, not just own the property and, and deal with the tenants. So. Right, like give them instruction. Like you're the boss. This is what I want you to do. Here's a checklist. Here's the systems I want you to follow. But if you don't know what that is, you know, that's committee. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, of course, I'm, I'm talking about the hands-on investor here. You could also have a professional property management company and, and you, and you still need to be able to manage them. Right. So <laughs> they, they can't read, they, can, they can't read your mind and they may not do a good job uh, if they don't know what, if you, if you're not an active person and giving them direction. So anyway, um, so you're also going to be leveraging your capital, right? So you're, you're, you're now, instead of having several different properties and different locations, maybe, and you've, you've, you've got every, you've got all your money or, or bigger chunks of money in one place. Um, and that can be more efficient too. And it also, if you're, if you're moving from several smaller properties to one bigger property, you're, you're now also changing your risk profile and there's some, so you're taking on greater risk now, right? And until you build, until you build a portfolio of bigger properties, you got all your eggs in one basket, right? When you go from your three unit to your 20 unit or two or three. What kind, of, what kind of risk are you referring to? Uh, well, everything from local market conditions like employment, um, un unforeseen things. We're right in the middle of COVID pandemic, right? That, which has a huge impact. Uh, and who, 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 are, who are your tenants? Uh, how do they get, so how do they get impacted by changes in unemployment or, or, or employment? How do they get affected by uh things like pandemic now, how did they get affected by ch shifts in the neighborhood? Um, you know, the shifting demographics in the neighborhood oh, yeah. Plus, for, for better or worse, right? Shifting demographics can, can cut both ways. So, mm -hmm. um, so it just, there, there are a number of factors that, that, um, that you have to be cognizant of the fact you're, you're now taking on greater risk. So you want to have with these bigger properties as you as you go up in size, you you want to have your rates of return be higher. So just this is just kind of theoretical talk right now, right? We're just talking about what happens when you're moving when you're moving from smaller properties to bigger. Right. So I say that as background for for so a few key things that uh, that I want your listeners to really focus in on. When they when they go out and they look for something to buy, <clears throat> so and these also they, they apply to the small ones too, but they're more important with the bigger properties. <clears throat> you need to know your rent comps. You need to know. You need to see so many apartments. You need to go shop for apartments, and uh, both as a prospective renter, let's say, but also as a prospective buyer, to the extent you can get into seed properties. That's a whole other topic for another time. But mm -hmm. <clears throat> you should be able to walk into into a any unit in in the market that you're going to invest in. Um, and just a sidebar here: get to know the market, pick a market, and really get to know it. Don't be chasing all over the place because. You're, you, you know, you're, you'll, you'll, you'll be a master of none, right? You'll, 
And then in, in addition to that, not just the market, but the zip code or even the suburb yeah. area. So just like, yes. oh, I wanted to go to um, Berkeley, California, or I want to go to um, Fresno or, uh, you know, Portland. Okay, we're in Portland. You know, yeah. we got drop it down. I'm sorry. Yeah, great. Yeah, great point. You know, what's, Berkeley's probably got 15 or 20 neighborhoods and more than that micro niches, right? Oakland has, I don't know how many, dozens, right? Maybe maybe hundreds if you really break it down. But at so any rate, you should be able to walk in to an apartment and say, I know I can rent this prop, uh, this apartment for whatever it is within a very narrow range, right? And each each apartment unit in that in that building, uh, you should be able, you should have a good idea of what you can rent it for. Um, and you related to this is the whole idea of are you going to be passive or active investor and what can, and can is it, is it going to be a value add and all, and all that so you have to understand where that property is positioned um, in the in the in the little market the tiny market niche that you're looking at right so are you at the bottom end top end so you mentioned value add. I don't know if a lot of people know what that means. Elaborate. Sure. Yeah. So value add is uh, basically buying a fixer upper, right? And a fixer upper doesn't have to be something where you do extensive renovation, although it could be. But it could just be cosmetic. Could be design. You have a better eye for design than than the average person, and you make a you know you take a plain looking building, make it look really great with just a few cosmetic things. So. Okay, good. Uh, uh, so anyway, so so you it's not good enough just to know what what the what the rents for that unit will be when you when you if and when you own it, but what could they be if you did one one improvement or another? What could they be if you if you reposition the property as a whole, right? So um you can do there, you know, there besides the, 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 just um, the value add in terms of fixing things up, there's a whole value add in terms of, if you, especially if you have a neighborhood that's transitioning towards better, you know, more upscale tenants. Uh, how do you, how do you position the whole property exterior the, from, from the first time somebody sees the property all the, all the way to walking in the unit? And what the amenities are? How do you how do you reposition that? So, you need to know what the rents could be and what it would cost you to get there, right? So, so what I'm what I'm saying is, I want you to look at a lot of units. So you so you know what the rents are going to be when you walk in the door. You know what they could be, whether you want to whether you want to fix it up or not. That's a separate question now. But you know what they could be, right? So. So there's you. You should know more about rents than probably than most real estate commercial real estate agents, and maybe maybe not property managers, but close to it, right? You should you should have seen so many units that you have a really good knowledge. And some tips is that uh, one of my favorite websites for you guys don't if you want to figure out. I mean, uh, is Rentometer.com. You can go by zip code and it'll tell you one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom, what the need is. 
but you can also call up different properties, you know, within a two mile radius. Say, hey, I'm, I'm looking to rent. What's rent for? You can do your own notes. Uh, you can look at apartments.com. And sometimes, like Ed was saying, you know, you want to find out what the rents are. You can even like have a conversation with a local property management company because they may have some numbers for you uh, to work with it as well. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about along the way here about get, building a team too. This, so I'm still talking about your own personal knowledge, right? So, and the same thing with what's the property, what other properties sell for? What are the what are the sales comparables, and what what could it sell for when you when you fix it up? What are, you know? What are the what are the sales comparables for repositioned properties? So, what's the so there'd be a spectrum in any market, you know. A, Two bedroom, one bathroom unit uh, may rent anywhere. Let's just say, depending on the market, I'll just make up some numbers. Could be fifteen hundred dollars to thirty five hundred dollars, and in a fairly uh, what what most people might think of as a market. And so that's probably they're probably two. You know, two. They're in two different markets probably, but but they could be geographically very close. So people are thinking, oh, it's you know, it's. West Oakland or, you know, it's Vallejo or, and, and no, it's, it's not, it's where in Vallejo or where in West Oakland, but you get, you know, I don't want to get too far in the weeds on that, but you get, you get, you all get the idea. Mm-hmm. So you're, um, you, you, you want to know that, that, based on the type of unit that you're, you know, the units that you're looking at, what they sell for per square foot per gross rent multiplier in California, that's a popular thing here, right? That's, or by cap rate or by price per unit. These are all kind of, you know, very rough cuts because the, the, the details, the nitty gritty is really important with any of these numbers that you're going to use. But um, so you, you should have a really, you should have a good idea of what, whatever the department building is you want to buy or you're interested in buying it. What uh, other sales comparables are selling for per square foot per unit, gross rent multiplier cap rate for that particular property in that particular condition, right? So you want to elaborate, well, can you elaborate on uh, GRM gross rent multiplier and cap rate? Yeah, so gross rent multiplier is you just take the, the annual rents and you multiply them uh, by a gross rent multiplier and you get a value. So if you had uh, you know, $100,000 in gross annual rents and you had a 10 gross rent multiplier, you'd have a million dollar property, right? 10 times 100,000. Okay. Or if you had a 15 gross rent multiplier, you'd have a million five. So, um, and, and how would a person know what that, that number is for the, where they're living? So you just look at a lot of properties that, that's, that are for sale and that get sold and you talk to, uh, you get to know real estate agents. And I'd say in particular, it's, I find it's good to find somebody who you really like and trust and, and get to know them and some, somebody who's really knowledgeable in that neighborhood that you're, that you want to be buying in. So uh, at, brokers, and, one of the sales agents. Will yeah. And, and they'll show you comps and it's got to, 
So like all, all people in life, some are better and some are more honest. Some are not so good. Some are not so honest, right? <laughs> so you, you want to be really careful when you're looking, number one. And number two, even if it's an honest person who's really good, you might have a different opinion, right? There, there is personal opinion allowed. So we can, like, if you and I are looking at the same property, we we might think it's, it has very similar value, or we might be far apart. And I'd want to go since I know you and I trust you. I go, Cordell. Well, tell me how what you're thinking. You know, how'd you come up with that? So you want to have a person who you can exchange ideas with, right? You might be thinking of something that I had hadn't even thought of. So, um, so that's this is kind of going along the theme of building a good team, right? So this is one of your team members. You can also get to know appraisers. And you, appraisers work, unlike brokers who, you know, who typically work for commissions, appraisers work for time. So you might, might want to offer an appraiser that you would spend, you'd give them some hourly fee for, you know, for help, helping you understand. So just as an idea. Now, what's the hourly fee range around? I, it would depend on on the appraiser and the, the property type, and I, I wouldn't want to hazard a guess. But you know, it might be a few hundred dollars an hour. I I don't know. So yeah, and and, and then I know there's different designations with appraisers. Do you call, recall what it is that a person that that works with commercial real estate what they're what to look for if a person wants to find? Yeah, there are different. So MAI is the top yeah. top designation. There you go. Yeah. I forgot about that one. And then there's some other, you know, there's some really good people who don't have that designation. But um, uh, and then you know there are a lot of data sources that are useful. LoopNet, um, CoStar, companies like that. You can get a lot of data online. Okay. Uh, you can get on the mailing list. These might say mailing list and dating myself, right? So emailing list, <laughs> distribution lists, whatever you want to call for for different apartment agents. I get all kinds of stuff sent to me. I, you know, I'm I'm interested in in, in in information about apartments more generally speaking than I'm talking about now, because I help I finance uh, properties for people mm-hmm. and a lot of different markets. So I don't. I don't really develop the expertise that somebody who's really good in their local market gets because they're, they're really an expert, but I want to keep my, my kind of my finger on the pulse of what's going on and with cap rates and gross rent multipliers and that sort of thing. So I get, I don't know, a couple dozen uh, agents send me flyers. So you mentioned gross rent multiplier, but you didn't describe cap rate. Yeah. So yeah, cap rate is um, uh, it's you divide the net operating income for a year by the value of the property. So if you're buying them by the purchase price. So let's go back to this ten gross rent multiplier, hundred thousand dollar value um, income and a million value. Uh, that hundred thousand dollars is gross income. It's not. That's not net money that you can use to pay your loan or put in your pocket if it's free and clear. So 
So cap rate works with net income. And to say a quick rule of thumb in, in the Bay Area is uh, you could take 35% off of, of gross income for expenses and have a net income and take a few percent for vacancy depending on, on the market you're in. But let's just say, you know, for round numbers, we'll say you're at 60% by the time you get take vacancy and expenses. So that $100,000 is really 60,000 from a cap rate point of view. And 60,000 divided by a million would give you a six cap rate. Mm -hmm. So theoretically, if you paid all cash, you would have a like a bond that's paying you 6%, right? Or be like putting your money in the bank at 6% interest. That's, that's, that's the idea. And it's conservative, more accurate way of looking at the property because gross rent multiplier, you, you, especially in a, say a city like uh, San Francisco, there are a lot of properties where the owner not only pays for say water and garbage, but they pay for heat and electricity for, you know, they're master metered properties still. And uh, so you could have, you could have expenses that are, significantly significantly higher in one building versus another one right next door based on whether it's master metered or tenants pay the utilities so so that's how how cap rate came to be it's not the only reason why it came to be but one of the main ones now um for some investors they look at cash on cash and they look at ir internal rate of return yeah in your opinion, is that really in, which which from your clients which which do they prefer? Do they look at? I know we haven't even talked about what cash and cash is or IR. Um, I guess we could kind of talk about that, but I'm curious to know what is the preference? What what um, what wins the gold medal? Put it that way. Or does do, do your clients look at multiple things? They look at this, they look at this, and this and this, and how how do they? Did they, did they talk to you about how they come up with a decision and go or no go? Well, the, the most sophisticated ones like to use internal rate of return. And that, that's a topic for a, another day. That's a, that's yeah, a pretty, that's a pretty complex thing. And it's, uh, it's a good, uh, I'll just give a plug for CCIM education. If you if you really want to understand this, uh, internal rate of return and you and you're really scaling up your your knowledge and your you know your business your apartment business it's well worth it uh, but basically it's it's measuring your return uh, based on time value of money and your risk factors so you you can plug those factors into your formula of what what's your cash flow coming in what your cash flow is sequence by the time they, they and this is going out like your down payment going out right and then your your annual cash flows and then when you sell so you take all of that whole spectrum of uh, cash flows and you discount them based on uh, on, an, on a rate of return and that, that you want to get for that particular property so uh, so you can if you, the higher rate of return that you plug in uh, that, that you want to have, that you want to get, uh, they, they, they discount, we discount the cash, the future cash flows by this factor that you put in. Um, and the higher it is, the, 
uh, the, the more we're discounting the future cash flows to, to compensate for the risk. Mm-hmm. So you get the idea, right? I just wanted people to understand you're, you're trying to get a rate of return that's, that helps measure partly the riskiness of what you're doing. So that's a little more, it's probably a little more than some people wanted to hear, but. <laughs> you popped in my head. I know it's <laughs> Anyway, it's just something to know. So the sophisticated ones do that and they, but they've got some real fancy computer programs and, you know, they, and they, some of them have, they have a team, they have a, they have analysts in-house, the, you know, the, like the, the REITs, the syndicate, the big REITs all have, they have a staff of people running numbers all the time. So but the people that I deal with a lot of uh, just average everyday mom and pop investors, you know, using that, that colloquial term. And because uh, I think probably most of us on, on this, uh, on this call here would be fit in that category, but it's more like uh, look at look at gross rent multiplier and cap rate maybe, but it's more uh, a gut reaction to. I've I've looked at a lot of properties and I know this is a good deal, which is, it you know it's it's more that kind of uh, criteria that people use and and then they then they start looking at the that's the first cut and then they start looking at the numbers to make sure that they're going to get some cash on cash they want to be negative on their cash flow lenders won't let them do it anyway so um um and then that gets them into looking at some of the things we're talking about price per square foot Mm -hmm. uh restaurant multiplier cap rate if a person was in a city and they want to do research on finding let's say I want, I want to look up all the apartments that have been sold this past year. Can they go to their like their county assessor office to look up past sales to do their own research? Or do they have to pay a fee to a service, online service provider for them to do their own research if they wanted to do, go that route? You could, you could do it. It's, it'll be arduous, but you could definitely do it. So what do you recommend for the easy way? Uh get a team, you know, good, real good real estate, commercial investment, real estate agent, good property manager, um, a good appraiser, could have a real estate consultant also, somebody who doesn't really broker, but who, who gets paid hourly. So as an aside, I do, I, I do work like that sometimes. And, um, Got it. It's not my main thing, but there are people who do that, right? So, and then and then use the use some of the like CoStar and LoopNet, and there's another one, Prospect Now. There are a bunch of yes. there are a bunch of tools that you can use. True, true. Um, I've used Prospect Now before, actually. Um, I think that what people need to understand too, when it comes to commercial real estate, it's a team sport. And everybody has their role. And you do want to be able to form your team and be aware of how beneficial it is because you're not going to know everything. You don't want to know everything. And I think that's very key what you just said, Ed. It's like I, I listened to a podcast and um, somebody was saying, okay, at the end, like, what's, what's the biggest mistake you made? 
and I forgot what he said, but he basically said that he put he put his team, he tried to build his team last instead of build his team first. And depending on where you want to go, a lot of times a lot of people will say, okay, find a um, a real estate sales agent or broker that's local to the area uh, that you want. But the thing is, a lot of the times too is if depending on what a person wants to do and you can go with a real estate agent who may already have networks, but you know, um, you can also go direct to the owner. If you want to buy another property, you can buy mailing lists like from prospect now or some other ones, send a letter in the mail and they come back to you and say, yeah, they have an interest in buying. But now they, if they supply you with this information say, yeah, I want to sell my property. You have to be educated on what those numbers are and what they represent. I, I think it's key to really have a criteria of what it is that you want. What is it that you want? What kind of things are you looking for? What kind of areas that you want to do? Let's say, I want this, I want this, 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 this. And within this area here, this is what it equals out. So as it comes through, no, it doesn't work. It didn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So um, as I'm talking to you guys, I'm not saying, I'm not coming to you like, oh, I got all of this property and I'm, I'm Big Willie walking around here with the, with the gold medal, you know. I am, I'm learning myself, but I do know I have direction on what I want to achieve. But the team is very, very, very key. And I've heard that through what Ed just said, um, through some other podcasts that I've heard, is that you guys have to develop a team. It all depends on what you want to do, though, too. You know, if you want to be a passive, you can be active. You know, find a contractor. Find a handyman um, if you want to do go that route. Now, um, the NOI is very important, of course. Now, for, for yourself, Ed, when it comes to underwriting, if a person wants to understand underwriting and go through let's say that a person does want to sell their property, what do you suggest that they do besides contact someone who has experience, but if they wanted to be able to get um, a better handle on things, understand the process of the whole underwriting process in itself to understand the, the, the value of the property. What do you suggest? Yeah. Um, well, I got a few things. And by the way, I, you, when, when you're talking, I realized I forgot one really good resource that people can use um, for apartments is join a uh, the local apartment owners association in the market that you're really interested in. Because then, then you network with not just professionals, but with, with your peers, right? So, and if you develop good relationships, you people will will mostly be truthful about the, what's what's going on with their properties. You know, not a hundred percent. People like to put a positive spin on sometimes, but um, but you'll get a lot of knowledge. So um, and, and, and they have. I used to be one in Oakland. I'm not any longer, but um, there's journals like you know, send a monthly magazine. I read one the other day. I don't know where it's at, but it wasn't for them. It was, uh, I think it's California Apartments Association or. I forgot the name of it, but yeah. I've learned a lot just by reading the magazines. So you may have an attorney talking about something. You may have a whoever, and that's how you learn. It's, it's a constant yeah. yeah. So anyway, the, to the underwriting question, 
Um, I can really geek out on this, but I, I'll try not to. I, I used to uh, teach underwriting classes to bankers and CPAs and attorneys and mortgage brokers and uh-huh. real estate agents. <laughs> so, but here's my long story short. You, you look at enough at enough properties that are for sale and, and that have sold and get, and get your team to, you know, your property manager, your appraiser, your real estate agent to get you some local knowledge about, uh, about numbers, uh, benchmark numbers. Okay. If you have a really good CPA, by the way, some C, some CPAs are good at real estate and they, they, they are very knowledgeable and others aren't. But if you have a good one, they'll, they, they're a good resource also. Um, and then there are some publications that you can get. Um, some, uh, some, most of them tend to be like for bigger properties and for, um, you know, markets that are broader markets, but you can get, um, average uh, price per square foot for operating costs, different operating costs for different types of apartments in different locations. And I'll, I'll just give you one of, one of the ones. It's like the sister association to CCIM is IREM, I-R-E-M, Institute of Real Estate Managers. Uh, and they put out publications uh, that, that go into great detail um, uh, and I'm not saying those are appropriate for, for people on this call, but you, what you, what you want to do is be able to say, okay, this, this owner is, or, or real estate agent is saying that uh, the repairs for the, their property are X number of dollars for repairs. I don't want to pay attention to that because that's what they've, they that, that's what they want to show or it's, it's what they've maybe it's off a, even off a tax return that's what they did one year i want to know what every year my repair cost is likely to be right and then with each one of the numbers you want to be able to do that and some of them you can verify um you, you don't have to go by theoretical numbers like pg and e you can just have it as part of the contract that you're you're going to see 20, the last 24 months worth of PG&E bills that you get to ins- to inspect them, right? Or water bills, trash bills, whatever. So, so what you want to do is you want to take the numbers and start verifying them because, you know, the old saying, trust, but verify, <laughs> it's your money. Nobody's going to care for it about it as much as you do. So please, even the numbers you get from from people who are on your team, just make sure that you, that you get backup. Have them explain. Have you know? Let's let's get down into the weeds here. And by the way, sometimes in a hot market, you're not able to get as much as you'd like. And you'll, you can make a business decision to go ahead with what, what your own opinion is because you, you've looked at enough different properties for sale that you know what, what the PG&E would likely be, for instance, let's say. But anyway, I digress. But you want to go through basically line item and reconstruct your own budget. Mm-hmm. Right? 
And, uh, and that's what a lender is doing. Lenders, underwriters, when they, they, you give them an income and expense statement for a property that you want to refinance or buy, and they're looking at their book, their IRAM book or whatever, and you know, and they, they say, now that that uh, that number is not right, that number is not right, you know, and they come up with their own. Well, and they so say, they use your IRAM to to debate whatever you present for the refi. Yeah, well, it's not necessarily IRAM, but you know, there there's a, there are a lot of databases that get used uh, out in the world for underwriting. Right. Bank could have their own in-house one. Could be IRAM, could be, you know, a, a, an appraisal board. So. So how does that, I know, how does that work? So they have their, their standards and let's say you're doing a refi for somebody for an apartment building, but you have your numbers and they have their numbers. How do you draw a middle ground? Uh, well, when you really are experienced, you, you end up being pretty close. So it's it's not that far off, but sometimes we'll get we'll get down to uh, you know a discussion about well okay you want us to put in a typical number for repairs would be say three percent say mm-hmm. so well three percent that from an owner's point of view three percent uh, on lower rents may may be too low of a number. And so the lender may be saying, well, I'm not going to use 3%. I'm going to use, you know, $5 a square foot or some other number that's, uh, that, that they think is more realistic. What we do then, we just get into a discussion about, well, okay, you know, we understand you're using this number. We're using this, this number. Um, but look at the condition of the property and, and the condition of the property, we just put on a new roof. We just did, we rewired the plate. You know, we did all these different uh, upgrades. And so we're not going to have that level of expense for another 10 years. So let's, you know, and we you can come up with a compromise. Mm-hmm. In the, by the way, in the end, uh, lenders also always go with, the more conservative of what they come up with or what an appraiser comes up with. So you could have this discussion with the lender and then the appraise, the appraisal comes in and you, and you can have the whole discussion all over again because the appraiser has got a little different view. So <laughs> just saying here, it's a little more, this isn't like you, you, you know, one of those like easy glide paths, nothing, no, but, with no bumps in the road, this the under, whole underwriting process is a little bumpy. So, and so for the, for the banks, isn't it true? It's like let's say that I am an underwriter at a bank, and then you submit to me a loan application, and I go through my diligence, and then I have to go ahead and present the same thing to my boss or to like a, a like a mini board, and then from that decision they make, I come back to you and say yes, we want to go. With you is that is that the process? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of peer review going on, right? So, because it's uh, that's a team approach. Also, the, the idea is you know let's have a lot of eyes on this because we want to make sure we don't make a, a big mistake. Got it. Got it. Got it. And 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 we 
that's the reason for us to have teams ourselves, right? Let's get some other eyes on because we may, we may be missing something. People, other people have valuable input, input for us. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think that the, the route that I've, I've heard many, many times is the Burr method is to buy um, one blank. You buy something, you buy a property, you fix it up, you rent it out, and then you refinance. Listen, I'm missing something else, but you get that proceed and go to the next. You buy, you fix up, you rent out, refinance, boom, 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 boom. And before you know it, you got a little portfolio. Um, and that's actually, that's my game plan. That's what I want to, what my goal is trying to achieve is to, is to utilize that. And now I'm kind of digressing, uh, but when it comes to refinancing, what tips do you have for a person that does have a, a, a commercial property or uh, let's say, yeah, they have a commercial property and they want to refinance, what, what will increase the odds of getting what they want? Um, having property that's in good shape and, and, and really good records, uh, and um, being realistic, more probably more than anything, right? Because sometimes people want to borrow more than than the than lenders are willing to lend. So it's just getting a good realistic view. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, I'm got. I'm going to have you back multiple times, Ed. You know, I think this is just like an introduction to know about you and there's other topics that we're going to talk about later on. But uh, do you have any last thoughts in regards to understanding the value? Uh, any just other? get out, get out and do wear out your shoe leather, right? <laughs> Look at properties yeah. uh, until you get until you get the experience. And then, you, you know, you can have other people who are doing that for you. But you I, yeah, again, I think we're talk, talking mostly to people who are kind of hands-on to just getting started, right? And that's that's how you get the knowledge, so that then you can manage people. You want to have you want to have a. Oh, and you oh. need something to think about too, because you know, um, for myself, I I thought about uh, trying to get my portfolio jumping off in Central California. Uh, because it's it's cheaper, but like I thought about what's my ultimate goal. And so anyhow, I, I got I got a list of apartments and I, I did before I have a spreadsheet like you were representing. It's like, OK, put these down so I can know what the numbers are so I can know when I come across the deal, what's good, what's bad. I mentioned to you earlier about renter meter, so I know what the, the rents are. So I have a spreadsheet. Take the zip code from one bedroom to two bedroom, three bedroom is this. So if I come across something, I already know. But I kind of transition. I said, you know what? I don't want to really. Go that route. I'm going to stick to the Bay Area where my home is. Yeah. A lot of people say, you know, uh, some people say invest where you're at. A lot of people say, well, California is so expensive. But my, I, I, I back it up and say, what's my ultimate goal? My ultimate goal is for me to buy and manage. And I want to be able to be active in it, but have systems in place. But you reminded me now I have more, pro- I have more research and projects to do where um, I'm going to get some stuff in Alameda County and start making up my list. Um, and one idea that well, somebody can have too, uh, for those who are listening, you can hook up with a title company and make a request or go to an agent and say, I want to buy some properties. Well, I want a list of properties. Uh, I've done it before from like five to 50 units. 
in this county and you get a spreadsheet and that spreadsheet will have all the, you have the address of the property you have where the owner is so you can email them or, or send them a letter. And then from that, you can develop your own spreadsheet. You can base it upon city or zip code. And then like what Ed was saying, you can start figuring out what's the gross rent multiplier, what's the cost per unit, what's all this stuff. And like for me now, I'm in that process right now where I'm transitioning from, I thought about, you know, Central Valley, but now I said, you know what, I'm going to be focused on Alameda County, where I'm at. But anyhow, how can people get in contact with you, Ed? So uh, easiest is to email me. Um, it's ed at smithcrane.com. Okay. And crane is C-R-A-I-N-E. So ed at S-M-I-T-H-C-R-A-I-N-E.com. Great. I'm well, always happy to spend a few minutes to getting to know somebody and see if they're, you know, give them a little coaching and a little guidance and see what they're up to. I love, love hearing people's stories. So, Well, thank you. And as I mentioned, when I first read your, your profile, I, I've read your bio just today to my wife. She was like, man, he's accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, he is. And so, that, and I was just, for those that don't know, um, you know, I, I, like, as I mentioned, I, I worked with Ed for a while and I, I recently got back in contact with him. We haven't, chopped it up, you know, talked just recently. Uh, but I was telling him that I was in the conversation before we started it. I said, uh, I was driving down the street and I seen like a contractor, a plumber, electrician, whatever, had this truck up. And their slogan was, there is no substitute for experience. And Ed definitely got the experience. So um, my vision, of course, is once I get my thing going, like I want to, like I am, of course, I'm going to reach out to Ed, and hopefully you guys, too, can do the same um, when it comes to commercial financing. He knows his stuff. So we'll, I'll talk to you guys later on, and hope everything goes well, your family's safe, and make it happen. Go to the website, smallapartmentinvestors.com. Get my free ebook. Stay safe. Be well, everyone. Adios.